You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. So last week, just by way of understanding the gospel mission, by way of tremendous encouragement to you, uh, we had a brother by the name of Christoph was here. I had no relationship with Christoph. I had been asked to give him time and attention to our church because he actually is some sort of executive movie film producer in Poland. And what he has is he has approximately a facility, two football fields uh, long and wide. And there are about 25 or 30,000 Ukrainian refugees living in portions of tents like this that have been displaced from their home. And it's rich man and poor man. It's, it's the baker, the butcher, the candlestick maker, if you are familiar with that kind of phraseology. It's the governor, it's the mayor, it's the engineer, it's the medical doctor. They've all been displaced from the Ukraine because of the current circumstance of the war. And now they, they've crossed the border. They find themselves just out of sight of Warsaw, Poland. And so, so Christoph is here as a man trying to just take care of his community. And he's found himself on the edge of a war, and he's coming to Christians in the United States asking for help, but he didn't know Jesus. He was just doing a good thing, and we wanted to partner with somebody who might open some doors for us, and so, so now talking about the church as a family, the grace of God, so now all of a sudden he's here, and he's never been to a church like this. He's never been to a gospel, spirit-breathed church, and now worship is knocking him out. I, we would use some phraseology. He's, he's, he's really, if you were to talk to me, he's getting slain in the spirit. He's, he's, he's walking around the back, goes, what is happening to me? And the spirit is, is just operating in and through him. And, and he's, he's sensing the deep reality of God. Then we preach the gospel, just like we're going, like talking right here. And he's saying, I've never heard the word of God spoken directly to someone's heart. And so now we meet afterwards and and so here's, I want you to understand grace, the church, so that we're understanding that this gospel mission is because the spirit comes to us and is operating in the spirit. I don't want us to miss that. So listen to Christoph's story. So we're just over at the corner and I said, Christoph, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? And he says, I might have. <laughs> I, I really might have, but I don't know what's happening to me. So I said, well, tell me what's happening to you, Christoph. He says, well, well, if I understand the God of the Bible, he goes, I have a kind of a Catholic background. So that's how I understand, you know, Christ and God. And he had Trinitarian knowledge in terms of, I know that phraseology. And so if I'm understanding that this God is actually the creator God, the creator of heaven and earth, if it's that God, there is no way, even though I have multiple degrees and I'm very intelligent and I read books, there is no way that in my humanity I can satisfy the conditions of that. You catch that? So he's saying, so you offer to me freely communion. You, you let me take communion. And there's no way if I were to confess my sins to another man that that man would have power to deal with my sin. I'm like, oh, brother, you are right there. Like, we're going to have Jesus' power, superpower just landing all over you. Like, like I'm going to get out of the way because it's going to be a lightning bolt, right? And, uh, and so, 
So understand the revelation is coming to his mind and his heart. If Jesus is who he says he is, if God is who he says he is, if he's the creator God, and if the son of God has actually come, and if that God is actually there, I can't satisfy the conditions of salvation on my own. It is impossible. I just don't know how to go in a straight line to him. But you can do that through Jesus Christ right now by faith. And so he prays and he invites Christ in his life. And what's funny is after we, you'll enjoy, you'll love this, you'll love this. So we get up praying. I mean, this guy gets saved and baptized in the spirit all at once. I mean, it just happened to him, you know, like, wow, you just wanted to stand over there and get a piece of it. And so I go, so I said, Christoph, what is going on in your life with the Holy Spirit right now? Here's what he says, because you got to understand like the Polish language and the translation. He says, what's going on with me? He says, oh, come on. He goes, oh, oh, come on. And I go, well, come on what? He goes, oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. It's like it's in my heart. He's in my heart. And it was this most amazing, amazing thing. So, so that is the church as a family when it operates in a gospel mission. And we'll invite strangers in or people outside of the tent, literally, and people outside of the family of God. But, it, but it's a big tent in the kingdom of God. And we invite people in to know Christ and operate in gospel ministry. But this, this grace of God never stops. It's not that I got in by grace and now I'm trying to fulfill through some sort of work to find some sort of justification for God. No, it's that the Spirit has empowered me. In fact, the Spirit is kind of disturbing you. If you want to know part of what the Spirit does, He bugs you. Oh, yeah. It's going to disturb you. This is where I want my kingdom to go. This is where I want my kingdom to be operating. This is where I want the church to be more stretched out in. These are the people that I want to minister to. And they're, and they're not society people necessarily. They're, they're, they're on the fringes. They feel rejected. They don't know what to do with guilt and shame. I'm calling them home. And I want to operate through you, my church. Like I know you're going to tend to think, well, pastor, go talk to them. If you were with me, I wouldn't grab a bunch of people. I said, just leave them to the Lord. Go do it. He's grabbing you. So the church, by way of the Bible, as, as Paul says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. In the previous chapters, he's spoken about the church, salvation in Christ, and he's saying, I have been actually been hindered in coming. And so sometimes this gospel ministry will have like these open doors, and sometimes they'll have this hindrance. But even when we have these closed doors, we're not... We're not depressed in the sense of thinking that God is not at work. God is totally at work. For this reason I have come, for this reason I have so often been hindered in coming to you. I got a chance to tell the story of this back to the Soviet era, the Soviet Union, when, uh, when, when Jane and I were actually living there. This is dated now in the 80s and 90s. And so uh, I was very frustrated at the lack of gospel power that was coming out and just so many no's and no's and no's and no's. And if you love the word no, raise your hand. Thank you, because there'd be something wrong with you. Right? We love the word yes, right? Yes, yes. And so here we're in the Soviet era ministering, and I'm thinking like the, the gospel is going to slay everybody and knock everybody out, and it's no, no, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, and nothing that Rick wants to do is working out. 
Just like oftentimes the things of our flesh, even though they might be of, of, of maybe you know, value, they're not going to work out. And so, so in this instance, uh, we're actually just, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to go into a room, and it's, it's more like a dorm room, and we're just going to worship because, frankly, I don't know what to do. No one's coming to Christ. I can't figure this out. Life is hard. People are getting sick, and there's just seem like no open doors. So we're just going to worship because, well, I don't know what to do. Always a good place to do. Don't know what to do in life? Go worship, right? So we go worship, and we're worshiping. Then two buff police officers come to the door, like really big dudes, right? And so pastor decides to be very masculine with these guys. And so I come to the door, and, uh, and I go, what do you want? Right? They could barely speak English, and I'm pointing my finger on the big guy's chest. He's, he, could really, he could really hurt me, you know? So <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really putting it on, on him like that. And so in his broken English, remember we were worshiping and worshiping. We had our guitars out. We were just worshiping for as long as we can. I don't know how long we were there. He says in broken English, music, music. I go, yeah, yeah, that's our music, bro. That's our music. That's our music. Not your music. You guys are communists and you're going to hell. But we're like worshiping God, you know? Like, I'm so like that. And so, and so he goes, uh, music, music, uh, be, be, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful music. So I'm so in this face. I'm the rest of my team saying, Pastor, he's trying to tell you <laughs> that the worship music is beautiful. To which I go, Oh yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. So these guys come in, literally. I'm, you know, they they come to know the Lord, and they 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 get full of the Holy Spirit. And so when we face hindrances, you cannot understand that as 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 the final word. God has final say. You should write that down. God has final say. So Paul faced these obstacles, even though he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. But God would have final say. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you by passing, uh, by going to Spain, by passing through you to be helped on my journey there. So, continue on now, talking about the churches. The church is a body, and the church is a marriage. I know those things by way of outline. The church is a body. That's a reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, which mentions the church's body. Look at the physical body, and the church is, is a spiritual body. So we need one another. And the purpose of a hand is not the purpose of a foot And uh, as way of illustration. And I was actually thinking about this recently because there's a sports figure of my era that I love, a guy named Deion Sanders, who in the 80s and 90s was a famous football player and now coaches uh, a team in the historical black colleges. And so last year, he actually became deathly sick. Now, he's a very, very healthy man. But what had happened to him related to the body is, as a, as a man who's fit and always taking care of his health, he somehow got a blood clot in his big toe. And I would think, well, okay, well, that's not a big deal, right? No, actually, it turns out if you think about the body, the blood is going to go down to your feet and it's going to come up. Yes, it's going to go down to your feet and it's going to come up. And that actually is quite a supernatural function of the body. When you talk to people in medicine, they go, that's really quite fascinating that the body gets pumped and it actually flows back up. You know, it's really, really a miracle. And so his big toe got infected somehow uh, with a blood disorder, a blood caught on his big toe that actually became life-threatening. And the only way for him to be healed was he had to have a few toes amputated. 
Now, now that's the body. That's the body. That one part of the body affects the other one. One part of the body being unhealthy affects the other part of the body. And so when the body of Christ is operating in ministry, we are concerned with the health of every part of the body. We want everyone to be healthy and everyone to be growing. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, uses the illustration of a body. Now, a little bit more of a sensitive nature, because most people, when we say the church is a body, they go, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I mean, if I'm the hand, then I want the foot to be, you know, you know paying attention to me. And, you know, if I'm the head, then I want the legs to be paying attention to me. And all of that, we get the body. But more sensitive to us is the idea of a marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul will use church, and he'll say, it's like a marriage. And, and so this becomes really an issue for a lot of people related to uh, loyalty to the church or family matters. Because if we're talking today about family matters, and this text is about preaching the gospel, funding the gospel, serving the gospel as a family of God, then the idea of marriage generally comes across with greater sensitivity. Because I'm loyal to my wife and she's loyal to me. Like straight up, I could tell you that. And my kids actually are loyal to me and I'm loyal to them. I mean, I'm blessed to have adult kids that want to talk to dad still, which is a miracle. <laughs> I, uh, they had a few friends over the other night and uh, we, we, in front of our, we have an island in front of the kitchen and they wanted to have a stand-up talk with their friends and you know, about, about laughing and crying and teasing one another a little bit, and then also about some things that were substantive. Like, really, man, you guys want to hang out with dad? Seriously? Okay. I'm good. I'm game. How long do you want to do this for? See, that's family. That's family. And I don't, I don't want to say this in any kind of cultish manner. That's not my intent. But I'm going to tell you that by and large, what we call the Western church has lost its understanding of loyalty within a church family to one another. It gets offended so easily. It doesn't resolve conflict enough. And, and, and the idea of through the days and through the years of sustainability with one another relationally actually has tremendous value. You know why I love, here's some ideas of what I mean by that and why I love church. But you're only gonna know this if you plant inside of church and if you're actually, actually in relationship with people over time. So this morning, there's people are worshiping and worshiping the Lord. Okay, I know several people that need God to significantly heal their body, otherwise I'm doing their memorial real soon. But they're here. And they're here with their loved ones. I know other people that are so distraught because they've had some unique thing that, is, that has caused financial stress and collapse on them, and they're saying, no, Jesus, not, not every dime we saved up for and, and invested, not, not, not after decades of, of financial overcoming, and it, it's all going to go away. But they're here, and they're going to worship God, and they're going to give their hearts to God, and then there's other people that have the big financial school and they're super stoked. You guys can tithe real good, by the way. And there's other people that are, that are healthy and ready to serve and ready to go. And it's all of that in between. Some, some lonely, some not lonely, some connected or whatever. But we come together and because we know each other's story at least enough, 
It is so inspiring and encouraging to come together and be gathered together and worship together and take in the word of God together. But if you're not in that family, that the family matters, journeying with loyalty through the days and years, then you don't know that. Then it looks somebody who has a nice car and some clothes and a few friends and they come to church. You don't know that they're coming, needy and broken and asking God to meet them at the depth of their humanity. Let's talk about building uh, the church. At present, Paul will say in verse 25 that he's going to Jerusalem because he wants to build the church. He wants to bring financial support to the Jews there that are hurting he mentions Macedonia and Achaia, that's Greece, the northern Macedons, uh, Alexander the Great by way of history, and Achaia uh, down towards what we would famously call the Spartans. And he says that they made a contribution to, uh, to Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, Paul will say in verse 27. Indeed, they owe it to them, he'll say, for if the Gentiles have come to share in these spiritual blessings, then there's material blessings with them. Here's what's fascinating. Related to just giving your life to the Lord, related to serving God, related to all of that, in some ways you either supernaturally get it or you don't. And the Jews at this time and the Greeks at this time, they were coming from very different places. So for example, the Jews had Moses. Everybody say yes. yes. Yes, the Jews had Moses. So the laws of Moses would teach the Jews about generosity and about serving one another, about love, about family, about family matters and in how their community matters. And so they had, they had the teachings of that in great depth, but the Greeks didn't. They had a very different orientation to that. The, the Greeks were much more transactional or much more like a tip. And so they had people like Zeus or may famously in history, something called the Oracle of Delphi. So the Oracle of Delphi was a demon. <laughs> it's an easy way to say that. And this was by and large a woman. And so what you did is to hear from God or what the gods were saying or to know the direction of your life, you stood in a long line for the Oracle of Delphi. And then you came and you saw her and she was sometimes sitting on a chair, sometimes not. It's a whole nother story about what was really going on with that. But you actually gave her some money, right? And she would say, okay, well, what do you want to know? I want to know about my future. I want to know about my kids. I want to know about my finances. Depending upon what you're asking for, then she'd charge you a fee. And then you paid that fee. And then you went on your way. That's, that was the Greek orientation of sort of spirituality, the idea of tithing or being generous. They're like, what? No, we're Greeks. We don't do that. We don't do that. We, you, you preach the message and we'll let you know if it's good or you tell us what we get as a benefit from God first and maybe, maybe we give a little bit of that. And so the gospel just turned that thing upside down and the Greeks understood the nature of building the church and building relationships and being participatory in the gospel mission, even financially. And so Paul's saying, I'm gonna actually even come with a contribution to the Jews in Jerusalem who so, who so greatly need it. In fact, they were pleased to do it, that he would say. They're going to say, where therefore I have completed this and delivered it to them, they have been collected, I leave by Spain. So he's telling them in a couple different ways that I'm gonna come back to you in Rome. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive with me in your prayers and God on my behalf, 
He understands he's going to face some difficulties, and he wants their prayers. Church is called to build a Jesus-glorifying gospel mission. And you and I, as we build this glorifying gospel mission, it's just fascinating what God offers to us, a blessed life and a life that is worth it. A blessed life doesn't mean a life free from pain. You live long enough, you will experience pain whether you follow Jesus or not. But in Jesus Christ, you'll, you'll experience victory over pain and grief and setbacks. You'll understand that God has not forsaken you, that God has not left you, that God is actually your father and that he knows and that he cares and he's able to deliver you from any situation and circumstance, that even if the devil has worked you, sin has gotten you, that God as father is actually coming to rescue you through the son by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually bring you back to the kingdom of God. There is no force of darkness that can permanently beat or defeat you, Christ inside you. Because Christ will say, no, this is my son, this is my daughter. And that darkness cannot win. That darkness cannot overcome me. I have actually overcome death. I was resurrected on the third day. And so we bind together as a family to build the family of God. That's why I even shared the personal illustration of my family. I was actually tired for a few moments going into the kitchen, but I, I care about my sons. And, and if they want to invite their father into conversation with their friends who are 20s or something, it's just like, okay, I'm going to come in there. Why? Because I want to build into my family. I want to build into my sons. I want to say yes to the invitation of being welcomed into their lives. And so we gather as a family, as a spiritual family, saying yes to the invitation of God to be binded like this together and to pursue true gospel ministry together and understanding that it's a blessed life and it's completely worth it. We give, we give of our lives, we give of our time, we give of our tithes because we want to build into the family of God, because we want to build into the people around us. I so love, I so love uh, the times, and it happens more than once when we're having meetings talking about how to minister to someone's need, and, uh, and, and I'm asked a question, hey, can we just take that out of the church budget or whatever, and there'll be kind of various groups of church leadership involved, and, uh, and I'm about to, yeah, I think that's a real need. We've got to help that person out, and someone says, you know what? Pastor, I got that one. I got that one. You just keep the church going on that one, and, and I'll take care of them and keep you posted. I still love when I'm walking out in the parking lot. I can really cry with this one because it's after hours. It's after hours. And it's very people in the body of Christ who run me down and say, Pastor, who do I need to cut a check for? Who's hurting? Who's, who's being held back in life? I'm like, well, you've done that like, you know, eight months in a row, <laughs> like, right? It's not like the first time for, you know, a person I'm thinking about. And the second person I'm thinking about, I go, I go, I go, you know, I mean, look at I, your faithful tither and such a good generous. No, no, no. What, what has been given to me belongs to Jesus Christ. Who else do I get to help take care of? Like that's who you're sitting around. I just weep. <laughs> I just weep tears of joy. Like it's privilege and honor to be around people like that. And Paul is talking in the same way. 
And he's talking about the same gospel mission. He's talking about the same need in the same way because the church is a body. The body must be healthy. The church is a, is a marriage and the marriage must, must, must have a binding element together of loyalty, of love, of goodness to one another day after day. Some days are mundane. Some days feel average, but it, it actually builds one upon another. And then there's the gospel mission of telling everyone about Jesus and glorifying God in it and making sure that God gets the glory and enjoying the blessed life. And some of why we gather next week to just be celebratory, you might think a church, you know, what are we doing? Church, uh, church chili cook-off and all of that. Why do we do that? Because we need to laugh. God's calling us to laugh and have fun as we build the gospel mission. As we go out, God's calling us to see who can cook the best chili. And I might be right about that, I may be wrong about that, but it's okay to argue about that. Those are those binding elements of family. Those are those binding elements of relationship. And they're important to us. They're important to us. Let me run for home. We start out by talking about the grace of God. There's a, there's a transfer that has to happen in your life, my friends. If you think of it, there's two circles. There's a circle over here as you're looking at me, and in the middle, you can just write the word me or you. There's a circle over here, and in the middle of that circle is you. Now, I realize some people have a hard time admitting that, but that's you. It's you. You're in the middle of the circle, which represents your life, and Jesus is outside that. Here's a circle. You're in the middle, and Jesus actually functionally, truly is outside that. And there needs to be a shift where from that circle you come over here and there's another circle. This is the gospel circle. And in the middle of that circle is Jesus. And underneath Jesus Christ, him being Lord, God, King, Savior, is you. Here you're in the middle of that life. How do you make decisions? You. How do you make decisions about your finances? You. If you're making decisions about your finances and you are in the middle of your life, how do you make decisions about your time? You. If you're making decisions about your time, you are in the center of your life. There's just no escaping it. You right there. Jesus outside. Here, Jesus in the center. He's the one who tells me about my business. He's the one who tells me about my finances. He's the one who tells me about my time, my talent, my treasure. Jesus center. Me inside that circle with him. This circle over here, the transition, is the transition of salvation, where someone leaves themselves and they come now to where Jesus Christ is actually at the center of their life. The theological language of that is called Lord and Savior. He is actually the Lord of our lives. And what happens is people think because they have sometimes sinned somewhere along here, whether it's addictions or any other kind of sin, that somehow they're permanently lost. God cannot work. God cannot love. God cannot save me. God cannot redeem me. Absolute demonic lies. Are you breathing right now, church? Yeah. Then you can be saved. If that pulse is still going, some of you have a really nice pulse, right? You're like, you're doing that, you're doing that. Others of you are like, I don't know if it's pulsing very well, right? So then you have to go from here to there. Jesus is going to wake you up. This is the Jesus-centered life. 
This is the blessed life. This is the life free of guilt. This is the life free of shame. This is the life free of damnation and accusations and condemnation. Here, lots of condemnation. Here, absolute freedom. Here is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here is self-sufficiency. Can I make it? Person over here gets up in the morning and they look in the mirror and they have all these like humanistic power words. I can do it. I can make it. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Over here, Lord Jesus, make it happen because I can't do it. And that's the prayer that he's been waiting for. So church, to come from this circle over here where you are the center of your life to Jesus in their life, Jesus said something. And it's, it's, it's not an earning out. It's just God's economy with the kingdom of his rules. He says, do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow me? Then here's what it is. Don't deny me. I'm going to call you out publicly because I went to the cross publicly. That was not done privately. That was not done in a closet. I died on the cross for your sin publicly to declare to the world that I am God and to declare to all evil, leave my children alone. They are mine. Are you my child? Do not deny me publicly. In fact, you have to come to a place where you actually proclaim Jesus Christ in your life in some public manner and solidify that faith. And so I'm asking you to place Jesus Christ at the center of your life, to leave self-centeredness, to leave the you in the middle of your life, and to come to the salvation part and the baptism and fullness of the Holy Spirit where Jesus is at the center of your life. You know, make that a true and public declaration. And I don't do this here at church to manipulate anybody, and I don't even play music usually when I do that. I want you to do it by faith. And I believe there's people here, right here, right now that need to do this by faith. Leave that circle and come to the Christ-centered one. And I believe you're feeling uncomfortable right now and the Holy Spirit's upon you. And so I'm gonna ask you right now to make a declaration where Jesus Christ is the center of your life. And I'm gonna ask you to actually do that by getting out of your seat and coming forward and join me and some friends here for prayer where Christ is gonna bless your life. Jesus will meet you in this moment as never before. And so I'm going to ask you, church, right now, right now, to, who, to whoever can receive this word, to actually get out of your seat, join me up here right now, and declare Jesus Christ being in the center of your life. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.